Hi, this is Jim Brangenberg, the host of the I Work For Him radio show. Thanks for listening to the I Work For Him podcast, where we discuss our workplace as our mission field. The live version of our show can be heard each weekday afternoon at 3 p.m. Eastern on AM 570 and 910 WTBN, locally in the Tampa Bay area, and worldwide on the web at letstalkfaith.com or iHeartRadio. Our website, iWorkForHim.com, has great resources on how you can learn about how your workplace can be your mission field. And also check out the sponsors that bring you the radio show each and every day. And while you're there on I Work For Him, click on the I Work For Him Nation flag and prayerfully consider joining the I Work For Him Nation. Join thousands around the globe praying for their coworkers and employees by name each and every day. That's IWorkForHim.com. I Work, the number four, Him.com. Remember, your workplace is your mission field, and in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Thanks again for listening. I hope this broadcast will make an impact on your life so that you'll never look at your workplace the same again. Let's get to today's show. You've tuned into the fastest one hour in Christian talk radio. Every day on I Work For Him, we're working really hard to help you connect what you heard on Sunday with what you do every day in your workplace. You know, no matter what your workplace is, your workplace, it's your mission field. And in that mission field, you and me, we may be the only Jesus our coworkers and employees may ever meet. The enemy takes the battle for the souls of those employees and coworkers, are, are the people who work alongside. He takes the battle very seriously. We need to take that battle. And that's what I work for him is all about. Helping you and I to understand the attacks on who we are and what's going on. So join me today as we really look at what does it mean to be unconventional? We all know the line, if you fail to plan, then you plan to fail. But does that apply to ministry? I mean, if we approach our workplace without a plan for ministry, will it fall to the wayside? Just like any other idea without a plan? Well, we're here to talk with an expert about that. We got Rick Box from the Integrity Resource Center. He's on the line with us today to talk about his book, Unconventional Business, and about the ministry that he heads, the Integrity Resource Center. And everybody should be familiar with Rick Box because he does our integrity resource moments, our integrity moments every day. Rick Box, welcome back to I Work For Him. Hey, thanks, Jim. Thanks for having me. You know, it's it's always exciting because we're, we're so like-minded. We both understand business. We both understand the desire that that we approach business in an unconventional manner yet you know life takes over sometimes and and we get so busy that that we forget that we're supposed to be looking at life through a different scope that our paradigm mm. should be shifting and so how does your work give you a unique vantage point into the brokenness of the world that we see every day you know jim we uh field an awful lot of business counseling calls from people that may be struggling in business, and we also have a prayer hotline. And between those two things, I get lots and lots of opportunity to talk with people that are really challenged and they're struggling, and some are even at the brink of suicide, just with the you know, the trials that happen in business and all the brokenness that's in the world around them. And so it's a it's a dark place sometimes, and it's a hard place, and it's a lonely place for many business leaders. And so we, we constantly are aware of that and are appreciative that God allows us to be here to help encourage and serve and answer questions for those people and pray for them. 
Have you ever gotten to a spot in your life where you're like, in the ministry that you're in, you've been in the ministry a long time. Have you ever gotten a spot in the ministry where you're like, Lord, I just want to get a real job. Not that being <laughs> in a ministry isn't a real job, but but do you ever get to that spot where you're like, Lord, I just want to go get a, somebody else where somebody else is paying me. Do you ever get to that spot? You know, in the early years, there was probably some moments where I uh, thought about that a lot more seriously than I have uh, since, but uh, certainly there's some, some times when the season is a lot harder, and you wonder, am I doing the right thing in the right place, or is there a different place for me? But, uh, you know, God's just called me to persevere through helping minister to business leaders, help them know that there's someone out there to walk along beside them. Mm. I love that. And it is encouraging. And that's why it's so important that we surround ourselves with other people that are going through the same stuff so that we can understand, we can lift each other up when one of us is having a rougher day than others. Rick, you wrote this book, Unconventional Business. Let's just talk about what, what are you referring to when you when you put the title Unconventional Business? Well, Jim, the, uh, the world has a way of doing business. And most of the time, it's quite a bit different than God's way. And so in this book, I really wanted to highlight the unconventional way of doing business, meaning God's way of doing business, with the hope that someday it might become conventional in our communities. But at this stage, it still seems very unconventional. I mean, there's just a big contrast. You you see things like, you know, the world talks about, you know, hey, seek you know, rising up the ladder so that people can serve you, but yet Jesus talked about being a servant leader, you know, or we pursue money in business when instead God wants us to pursue glorifying him. And so there's all these contrasts, and so this book is designed to give practical tools so that people can see how to apply the Bible and become one of those unconventional businesses. Okay, but here's my question, because I, I've read your book, and now I'm going through it for the second time as we prepare for all the shows about it. And, and I, I, it's not just for business people, though. I mean, isn't the, aren't the ideas that you're presenting here, couldn't they work for anybody in any workplace? Oh, absolutely, yes. Uh, some may be a little more specific to a business owner, for instance, but uh, the, the principles work for everybody. And you just have to apply them to your own situation. Well, and I think that that's really what I wanted to just bring that out because there's a lot of people that hear the word business like, oh, I'm not a business person. I'm tuning out for today. Jim, I'll tune back in tomorrow and see what else you got. But I wanted people to understand that the life that the Lord has called us to lead is unconventional in the world's eyes. And you know, I've already told you this, but we'll tell it, we'll tell it to the whole crowd on the air today, you know, that there's a whole series of unconventional books that can be done because it really is following Christ is unconventional and living right. the way he lived is unconventional. Uh, yes. So, you know, not, but you ought to probably, you know, copyright all those titles I already gave you. So. <laughs> yeah. That's why Jesus got in so much trouble is, is the Pharisees had their way of doing things and Jesus kept breaking the mold and they didn't like it very much. Oh, he totally attacked their power structure by undermining it with servanthood and love. <laughs> just tick people off. He just ticked people off. He he was way too nice for them. He he just he, he just they just didn't get him. All right. So the last time we were on the air together, we talked about developing a God centered plan, and we used Nehemiah, the book of Nehemiah, and his seven step plan as an example. 
Why, just to review for people as we go forward today, why was Nehemiah such a great example for us? You know, if you look all throughout Scripture, there's a lot of great leaders with a, a lot of great lessons to be learned. But the book of Nehemiah has always jumped out to me to be one of the best leadership books you'll ever read, because this was a man that prayed for four months before he took action, even though he was a man of action. And so once he did jump in and start taking action from God's leading and prompting, he it was remarkable that he built the entire walls around Jerusalem in just 52 days because God was there joining in the work. And so Nehemiah is just such a great example because there's so many wonderful leadership principles that we can learn from that uh, small book of Nehemiah. Well, and you said, okay, Nehemiah was a man of action, and, and it, it, he waited four months till he did anything. But really, that's the most incredible thing about Nehemiah, is that he's a man of action, and his very first action was to get on his knees for four months before he yes, did he, anything. he saw the power of prayer and waited on the Lord's prompting to take the action that he had on his heart. And even the plans that he had developed, he was ready. When the Lord finally opened the door and had the king ask Nehemiah, you know, why are you downhearted and what can I do for you? Nehemiah just kind of pulled out his laundry list and said, well, I'm glad you asked. Here you go. I've got all these (laughs) things that I need in order to go finish this wall. And it worked out. The king was ready to do it because God led the way. And what was amazing is the passion that was laid on Nehemiah's heart was for a place that he'd never visited. It was for, it was God's desires that he laid on Nehemiah's heart because Nehemiah would have no perspective of what Jerusalem even would have looked like. This book, Unconventional Business, is really more about unconventional work. And, and yes, there's some specific things in there that have to do with business, but the most part, the book is really about looking at our workplace with a paradigm shift in our minds, the, the paradigm shift that Romans 12, 2 talks about that, you know, in Romans 12, 2, it talks about, you know, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. How? By changing the way you think. Being a Christ follower means that we need to change the way we think. Stop looking at conventional wisdom, which for the most part is ridiculous, self-centered narcissism. Glorifying the Lord in our businesses, in our organizations, in our daily work, whatever it may be, is unconventional, but it's what we're called to do. And we've got an expert on the line with us today, Rick Box from the Integrity Resource Center. And Rick, when I say that you're an expert, I'm not saying that you haven't made mistakes because I know you're human just like me. (laughs) Very much. I know know you've made mistakes. So I just finished, I got to tell you this online, I just finished reading a book for Friday's interview. Friday, I've got a guy coming on the line named Andy Crouch. You may have heard of him. Used to be the executive editor of Christianity Today, but he's no longer. He just left them about uh, three weeks ago. Hmm. But, But he wrote a book called Strong and Weak, and it, and it was all about human flourishing. It is, I've got to tell you, it's a book that I can't wait to highlight on Friday, but I bring it up in this conversation because we talk about unconventional. As leaders in whatever organization we're talking about, this unconventional idea, like what you hinted at just a few minutes ago, the unconventional leadership has nothing to do with climbing the ladder so people could serve you. Unconventional leadership has to do with climbing the ladder so you can serve others. Yes, absolutely. 
And that just that is that's what turns the world upside down. That's why the world just cannot understand true Christ followers. <laughs> it's like <laughs> you guys are just messed up. So yeah. uh, your book, which by the way is a very very good but a book, I love unconventional business. It, it was a very nice read, very easy read, so practical from one end to the other. I have dog-eared pages, stuff written in the margins, but it's all I, I love it. It is a book that, like I said, really applies to so many people in so many different workplaces. Your next chapter in unconventional business that we're going to talk about today has to deal with developing a ministry plan. Are you saying that every business should have a ministry plan? You know, we in business, we oftentimes have strategic plans. We have marketing plans. We have all these plans. But how many people ever pause to think about what would a ministry plan look like for my business? I mean, after all, if God has called us to actually glorify him in everything that we do, shouldn't that include the work that we do? And if so, then why wouldn't we want to create a ministry plan so that we're strategic and we're proactive to determine and develop a plan that may actually help employees, it'll help the community, and those people around us. Okay, but people are going to say, listen, we've got business plans, we've got strategic plans, we're trying to run something here, whatever that organization may be. Isn't a ministry plan just going to take us off off the ball, or eye off the ball? I don't think so at all, because I think that if we realize the importance of relationships, and we realize the importance of listening to God and letting him be our CEO and working through us, we will have the wisdom of all ages working with us. And that just brings a more uh, flourishing business. It brings more opportunity to love on people, and it just shines the light of Christ to those around us as we also continue to be profitable and try and run a good business. Because if you're not profitable, you're not going to be in business, and you won't be able to do ministry. And so it's critical that we're profitable, but that should be a byproduct, not the core product. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Okay, now, what do you mean by that? that? That profit is a byproduct of glorifying God, but not that, that glorifying God guarantees it's a profit? What, what are you saying by this byproduct thing? Explain that a little bit. Yes. Well, I I would say that, unfortunately, the business world bought in back in the 80s. An economist, Milton Friedman, really did a good job of convincing the business community that the only purpose for business was profit. And when he did that, what we saw was businesses started uh, going away from doing any community involvement activities, being involved with helping uh, their employees and community. It was all about the bottom line, and it gutted the soul of many, many organizations. But that's not God's design. God's unconventional design for businesses instead that we are glorifying him in the way that we conduct our work. We do it with integrity. We do it with excellence. And we step out in courageous faith, and we're generous to the community. And it changes the whole mode of operation. And profit ends up becoming a byproduct, not the core thing that drives your organization. 
again, we're turning conventional wisdom upside down to be unconventional wisdom, which goes right along with your book, Unconventional Business. But, you know, I, I, was, I, remember, I remember reading about Milton Friedman and his findings and him saying that. And I remember the outcry like, no, business is about way more than that. But 30 years later, the, this next generation, that's why they are, quote unquote, hating on big corporations, because they think that that's all the big corporations think about is money. Right. I mean, yeah. they're, they're constantly being bashed in the media. The whole media grabbed onto what he said and is just constantly in business bashing mode. Yes. Where without business, uh, people wouldn't have jobs. And without jobs, people wouldn't have to live. I mean, people, they keep thinking about corporations as like this entity, but it's really just full of people. Absolutely. And I think if people were actually having ministry plans in their business and implementing and living that out, I think this next generation would be lined up at the door to go to work for those kinds of organizations because they're all about wanting to make a difference. And that's what these kinds of companies are doing is they're modeling completely different principles and ways of doing business in a way that actually brings human flourishing to the local communities that they're in. Okay, so this ministry plan, what's the purpose of a ministry plan again then? Because it's, first of all, maybe, yeah, let's talk about what the purpose, then we'll talk about what one maybe looks like. But what's the purpose of a ministry plan then? Again, you said we got a business plan and a strategic plan, maybe even a financial plan, but a ministry plan, a little different than that. Yes, a ministry plan actually gives us the ability to have some eternal significance out of the organization that we're spending the bulk of our time at. And so we really want to carry out God's mandate in a way that uh, just really helps the people that work there, the community, and everything. But it doesn't take away from profitability. It actually enhances profitability because it's helping uh, people do business well. And when they do it well, everybody likes to be on board with that kind of an organization because it's it's cause-oriented, it's more fun to be there, and they start seeing that their life matters in the scope of how the business is making a difference as well. Before we talk about what a, uh, a ministry plan looks like, are there some businesses out there that mm, a lot of people would know about that have a ministry plan that maybe most consumers don't know about, but it's evident in how they do business? I mean, do you, do you have an example of one that, that does it well? Well, I mean, I, I wouldn't know if uh, if all of them would call it a ministry plan, but they have a mission and a purpose and a mindset of glorifying God, and so they do things differently. I mean, some very visible examples are you've got uh, Hobby Lobby that, you know, they took the bold step years ago of closing their stores on Sundays because they wanted their people to have the ability to get one day off for the Sabbath rest and not to have to be worried about work that day. And it cost them a lot of money initially to make that turn, but they saw it as part of their plan and the way that they wanted to be known for in business. Uh, You also have, uh, you know, Hobby Lobby also does uh, during uh, holidays such as Easter, they do full-page ads promoting the cause of Jesus 
all across the country and newspapers all across the country and and you know Chick-fil-A also is known for being closed on Sunday and, and a lot of the charitable work that they do with uh, foster children etc and, and so I think there's a lot of organizations that are visible that are doing things that would fit in with uh, a ministry plan of sorts that they've determined works for them you know when I think of a ministry plan I think of Okay, you got an organization, but all of a sudden the organization says, hey, whatever we're producing is no longer the primary goal. It's the people who are doing the producing is now the primary focus because if we can invest and and cherish those people, then all of a sudden what we're producing will naturally flow better than if we just focus on producing. I mean, is that what a ministry plan is about or is it or do I, that- do I have it wrong? That's part of it. I, I think a ministry plan can be very multifaceted, and I think a lot of Christians actually have a narrow scope. So sometimes some Christians believe that, you know, hey, I need to make a lot of money in business so that I can give a lot away. That's the end of my Christian faith. Well, that's just a small sliver of it. We want people to understand. Uh, I was meeting with a guy here recently talking through helping him develop a ministry plan, and he was bringing up, well, you know, I do disciple some guys in the evening uh, because my office, I can use it for that and do some Bible study. And, we, yeah, we give a lot of money away and, and those sorts of things. But I noticed that he wasn't talking about the value of the work that he did. And so part of his ministry plan was, is, hey, in your industry, you have an opportunity to teach people about generosity and just the nature of your industry. What if that was an important piece of your ministry plan, and your work became a method and a tool to actually show God's grace and mercy to other people. And so there's there's ways to looking at it much broader in scope than what many people might. Mm. So what are the, we've we got about a minute left before we go to break, what are the components of a ministry plan, the, the pieces? Yes, it's, it's really a five-step program that uh, begins with evangelism, discipleship, the third one's loving your team, the fourth one's loving customers, suppliers, and competitors, and the fifth one is loving your community. And so these these five are categories that you can look through the lens of each of those topics and think about how might this organization create a ministry plan that does a better job of evangelism or discipleship or whatever the category is. All right, Rick, we promised our listeners when we come back, we'd really talk about what are those five steps in building a ministry plan within our business. And and again, I made the the quip right before we went out to the break that, hey, even a church sometimes needs to have a ministry plan. You often see these large churches where they're being run like businesses because they have, you know, hundreds of people on staff and lots of things. And a lot of times they're not as intentional with their ministry to their own staff as they are to the ministry within the greater church. Have you ever seen that? Oh, sure. Yes. It's uh, it's easy to get distracted from the things of God when you've got uh, a business or an organization to run. And so it, it, it's easy to get off track. And I think developing a ministry plan just helps everybody be proactive and intentional in developing an ongoing plan as to how you're going to c- conduct yourself. 
All right, you said before the break that a ministry plan has five steps in it. Now, if you were a true Christian, it would either have three steps or seven steps. How does five, I mean, isn't that, okay, I'm giving you a hard time again. Okay. All right, but these five steps, evangelism, discipleship, loving your team, loving customers, suppliers, and competitors, and loving your community. These are five pieces of intentionality to build into it. Let's just dig into those things. Evangelism as part of your ministry plan. Is that really appropriate in a workplace? You know, I think part of the ministry plan concept actually enables you to develop some policies as well, because you're going to have different folks have a different philosophy of evangelism, for instance. And so you might need to put some boundaries around it for your team so that they understand what's appropriate, what isn't, how you want to conduct yourself. But there should still be an element that, as First Peter talks about, that be prepared to share the hope that lies within you, but do it with gentleness and respect. And so we need to be prepared that whenever there's opportunities in the workplace, and that can be with employees, that could be with customers, it could be with any number of people, how are we going to make sure that we advance evangelism? Now, some may actually develop a strategy that, uh, you know, for instance, you know, I've seen boxes of eggs that you open the eggs and there's Bible verses in there so that uh, they're, they're sharing the love of Jesus through the products that they actually serve. But that wouldn't work for every business. So everybody has to kind of figure out what fits their culture and how does that work. Okay, so you just brought up something that let's just make sure we make a clarifier for our listeners. Is this ministry plan a specific ministry plan from the business to its employees or the ministry plan from the business to its customers and other outside people that it touches? Yes. <laughs> I, think, I think it's really both. I mean, it's it's designed so that the business has a plan as to how they're going to interact with the internal customers as well as the external customers and with the community as a whole. How can that business actually better serve their community as a whole? Okay. And I love the evangelism intentionality, and I love the fact that just to put some clarifiers on it, because some people will get a little carried away with beating people over there with the Bible without having yes. a relationship first. And honestly, yes. it never ever be, it works anywhere to beat somebody with the Bible, but there are times when people are more open towards hearing truth than at other times. Uh, and, and it's that discernment along with the gentleness and respect that you mentioned that I think it's really powerful. Okay, second step, discipleship. Are you talking about inside or outside of the workplace? You know, it, it can be both. I've seen uh, companies that have set up Bible studies, for instance, that are open to the public coming into maybe their conference room or whatever, or they allow their employees to help do that as well. But, but I think uh, beyond that, I think it's taking a look as that business leader at your team and saying, okay, I've got these folks here, and I want to disciple them in a way that not only do they become stronger in their faith, but they actually become better human beings and better employees. And so I think discipleship can take a broader view that you're starting to see, I want the best for that individual. What would that look like? How would I invest my time in them to actually make it better? And maybe that means I set up an internal mentoring program so that some of the 
uh, people that have been employed there a long time are able to take some newbies and speak into their life and to help them. It can be a, a lot of different ways, but I think the key is is that we want to uh, disciple and grow people in their faith and in the work that they're doing so that it becomes more honoring to God. Well, and isn't it true, too? I mean, because this is fast becoming one of my hottest my hottest soapboxes is discipleship and mentoring. Because isn't it true that discipleship isn't just teaching them the Word? It's really living out life together and influencing people by living your life. I mean, it's done with intentionality. It absolutely incorporates Scripture. But a lot of times we're dealing with people who just have never seen a Christian walk. Right. Yeah, and that modeling is just critical. I mean, sometimes you don't need to say a whole lot about Scripture or anything else, but if you're using good, solid principles, you're modeling the way God would have you model, people are going to sit up and take notice, and they're going to ask questions, and they're going to be curious, and it's a great way to start you know, taking them deeper. Well, isn't that what happened to you in your bank job? Yes. Talk yeah, just that. watching. Yeah, just watching this bank president actually live and model biblical principles and answer my questions using biblical principles was amazing. I mean, it just helped illuminate for me that the Bible really was a practical tool that could be used in the area of passion, which for me was business. And so he really had a big impact. We're talking today with Rick Box from the Integrity Resource Center. You can find out more about him online at integrityresource.org. Rick has written many books. This one we're talking about today is Unconventional Business. And really the subtitle on it says it all. Five Keys to Growing a Business God's Way. But it's really not just a business. It is an organization. There are There is stuff in this book that will transform any organization because of the paradigm shift that Christ calls us to be unconventional. Okay, Rick, first step was evangelism as part of the five-step plan to developing a ministry plan. The second step was discipleship. How about the third step, loving your team? Yes, I think uh, that we need to look internally first and figure out what does it truly mean to love these people that God has put here. Many business people unfortunately treat their team uh, as, I mean, they're tyrants over their team, demanding and expecting things of them that nobody should, you know, should want to even do. But if you instead look at them and say, okay, Lord, show me a clear plan as to how I can love this team of people and realize that you've placed me here as a shepherd over them, and then I need to shepherd them well. And so working that into your plan, and sometimes that may mean like a, a great example is, is companies I've seen have hired marketplace chaplains or corporate chaplains and bring in a chaplain service that can actually help them mentor and disciple people and to love on people whenever they have life's issues popping up. Uh, the chaplaincy within within organizations is so powerful. I, I meet people who are working at businesses that have a chaplain or people that are business people that have brought in a chaplain, but it, it really impacts an organization. It's so very, very powerful. You know, what I, what I loved about... You know, loving your team as part of, you know, that's an intentional step within building a ministry plan. That seems like that should be a no-brainer for a Christ follower, yet it's really not. Right. 
Yeah, I think so many people have compartmentalized their life that they view their people at work as a resource to be used. And whenever they're used up, then let's just spit them out and go hire someone else. But instead, if we start viewing them as, hey, I'm their shepherd, God has entrusted these people to me, I should want their best, and I should do whatever I can to love on them and make them better people as well as better employees. Now, sometimes this is a part of the plan that that business leaders, organizational leaders really, I mean, this is something I see in every organization, every organization needs to really work on learning to love their people, whether it is a church, a nonprofit, a for-profit, it doesn't matter, a government organization, loving their people. Let's just say this is something that a, that a leader really needs to work on. What book would you recommend that they get in order to really learn how to love their people? Mm. I, want to see if, I want to see if we're on the same page, because I got one, but I want to see if, what you would say. Uh, hmm. Okay, I'll tell, I'll tell you mine first. Okay. Be- because I know I didn't tell you I was going to ask you that question, so I got you, I got you swamped there. Uh, Five Languages of Appreciation in the Workplace by Gary oh, yes. Chapman and Paul White. Yeah, uh, Paul, that, very well. Very, very great book. I had him on a couple of weeks ago, but I read the book a couple of years ago. But understanding how to show appreciation in an appropriate way to our people, mm-hmm. so that because a pre- people who feel appreciated in the workplace – will perform at much higher levels and you'll have much lower turnaround and it makes them feel loved. And and it's something that it seems again, like a no brainer, Rick. Well, and the way, and what I like about that book is, is it's intentional about figuring out what are those people's language of appreciation. And once you figure out how they're wired, then it's easier to meet them at that place and to love on them because you can love on someone in your love language and they may never even know that you loved on them because it doesn't resonate with them. Right. But if you but if you figure out how they're wired, and then you meet them right there, then it makes a world of difference to those folks. Well, have you ever been in a job where you weren't appreciated and you just you couldn't wait to get <laughs> yeah. out of there? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it absolutely. really it just messes with your mind to work in a place where you're not appreciated. It just, mm-hmm. it, it just, all you could do is go. I can't wait to go somewhere else because I'm not appreciated. I, I, I need, and as men, of course, we're supposed to be stalwart examples. We can work anywhere, even though we're not appreciated. But our fathers did that. I don't. I, I couldn't do it. I, I just. I need to know that people really they see value in what I'm doing every day. I, I, I sure. like that. Yeah. Right, the the fourth step. So evangelism, discipleship, loving your team. Those are all key parts to the five steps of developing a ministry plan in your business. Your fourth step is loving customers, suppliers, and competition. Now, we'll just get to intro this. We'll finish it after the break. But loving your customers, suppliers, and comp- competition? Really? Competition? What do you mean? <laughs> Come on. Yes. I mean, it, it's a foreign concept for many. But if you think about it, Jesus, when he was asked about who is my neighbor, he gave the story of the Good Samaritan, and you talk about a contrast of cultures and people that didn't like each other. In essence, he was raising the bar for those disciples, saying, yes, you need to love the people that are the least lovable that you can think of. And for many people in business, that's their competitors. They want to cut them down. They want to speak bad of them all the time, and they want to win and destroy them. 
One of the coolest things I ever got to do was when I was helping launch an IT company here in Tampa Bay back in 2010 is I went out and met as many as my competitors as I could. And I said, because listen, I know I'm going to have customers I can't serve. I want to have a place I can send them and I want to get to know you to see if you're worthy of getting my referrals. Yeah. And, and they're like, really? I'm like, absolutely. Today we're talking with Rick Box from the Integrity Resource Center about his latest book, Unconventional Business. Don't turn off the channel because he has said business. This book can revolutionize. The ideas in this book can revolutionize any organization. So powerful are the concepts that Rick brings up here because they're unconventional. And why are they powerful? Not because they came out of Rick's head, but because they come from Scripture. These are right from the heart of our Savior. That's what's so amazing about it. Rick, we only have five minutes left, and so we got to cover these last two points in the strategic ministry plan and setting up a ministry plan within our organization, our business. Loving customers, suppliers, and competitors is our fourth one. I, I, you gave us the competitor example. Loving customers, that seems like a lost art today. Loving vendors? Come on, we got to stretch them out as much as we can. Yes, I think a lot of people uh, can figure out a way to love their customers because they appreciate the fact that their customers are spending money with them. But probably the area that's even more unconventional is, is with suppliers and vendors. I mean, we have a tendency to say, well, that's my cash flow that can be enhanced if I just stretch them out. Instead of paying them in 30 days, I'll pay them in 90 days. And if you want to truly show love to your suppliers, you pay them early. And what the amazing thing is, is I've seen a lot of businesses that have applied this where they, they just take good care of their vendors. And what happens is those vendors bend over backwards to do work for them to do it promptly. Uh, I used to uh, finance home builders when I was in the banking industry. And I had a home builder that he was doing it part-time, but he was cranking out more houses, more profitable than any other builder I had. And when I asked him the secret was, he said, I pay my vendors early, and I pay them a little more, and I have a line of people wanting to do business with me, and I have the cream of the crop that I pick, and I have a very you know, firm timeline so that we turn it around quick and we make a lot more money that way. And he just learned the art of taking good care of those uh, subcontractors and vendors. Well, and really, if you were to do a highlight on who did this the best, Jesus must have been an amazing businessman. As a carpenter, he had a phenomenal reputation because when they, everybody knew he was the carpenter from Nazareth. They all knew it. They didn't like the yeah. fact that he was now claiming to be God as well, but they all knew. <laughs> they didn't say he's the lousy carpenter from Nazareth. He said he's the carpenter's son. He's the carpenter. Yes. He had a phenomenal reputation. All right. And, and we, we, could, we could have a whole show on that one. Maybe that's your next book. I don't know. <laughs> loving your community. That's the last piece of your ministry plan. What do you mean about loving your community? You know, I think we need to look beyond just the uh, employees and the customers that we have because there are a lot of community resources that are necessary for any business to thrive and prosper and so we need to be giving back to the community and we need to find unique ways to do that that serve us well and also 
It's a great employee engagement tool is if you find a way that you and your team can actually give back to the local community and let your team engage in that, then they're deeper involved in your business, they have a deeper connection, and they love the fact that you're caring for those people around. And so sometimes that may be you know, serving in a homeless shelter, or it may be in any number of ways, but it needs to fit your culture as an organization, and loving your community will just pay dividends in a number of ways. Is there a danger for that to be self-serving? It can be. Uh, There's a lot of cause marketing that uh, the motives behind it aren't always pure. And I think customers oftentimes can sniff that out and and realize that that's going on. But if you're truly looking at, you know, okay, I'm in this community, God's placed me here, how can we find a way to love on the people in our community and give back and have a pure motive, then uh, it works very well. Oh, Rick, I want to make sure I tell our listeners who are listening to rebroadcast, they can get a copy of your book as well. They can just email me, jim at iworkforhim.com. Get a copy of Unconventional Business. Just email me, jim at iwork, the number four, him.com. Rick Box with the Integrity Resource Center, found online at integrityresource.org. Thanks for being on I Work For Him today. Thanks for sharing more from your book, Unconventional Business. I can't wait till our next conversation. This is so much fun. Thanks, Jim. I appreciate you. All right. We'll talk to you soon. If you are within an organization that is just maybe struggling and isn't being unconventional in its approach towards how it's doing and operating, and you're just doing things the way the world does them, you need an unconventional approach. Jesus calls us to be unconventional in every area of our lives, especially when compared to conventional business. He tells us to change, stop copying the behaviors and customs of this world, but allow God to change the way we think. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower. My workplace, it's my mission field, but ultimately, I work for him.